Welcome into another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. Just got back from ABCA in Chicago. It's a great time. Met a lot of, of great coaches, reconnected with a, a ton of friends and coaches, and overall great experience. As you can tell from my voice, lost my voice, a lot of talking, a lot of laughing. So it was a great time. It was a great experience. I can't wait till next year in Chicago and I know uh, I met a lot of a lot of listeners of the podcast while we were there, which was always fun to to catch up again. and And uh, I appreciate everyone who did reach out and say that they listened to the podcast and enjoyed it. That that means a lot. In today's episode, I have Mike Rabello, who is the major league field coordinator for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's also the third base coach in the big leagues for the Pirates. He talks about educating players in this episode why it's important to have compassion for them, how to win and develop relationships with those players for a long time, knowing different situations, where to stand in the third third bases, uh, third base box as a coach, how why timing is so important in baseball and in coaching in general. So Mike's one of those guys, he played in the major leagues for um, a few years as a catcher, he was actually a backup to Yvonne Rodriguez, Pudge Yvonne Rodriguez, and share, shares a great story in this episode about about Pudge and, and why he was just a next level of a, of a player. And and I think once you hear this story, you'll you'll see why as well. So appreciate Mike coming on. This was a lot of fun. He's a great guy, great baseball man, very smart. I was really lucky to be able to get him on the show, and I, and I think everyone here who's listening is, is going to enjoy it. This podcast is sponsored by Driveline Plus. Driveline Plus is a growing library of the best information on baseball player development. Members will find how-tos on baseball technology and the latest research findings from Driveline's lab, along with inside access to Driveline trainers to make sure you can effectively coach your team. Plus, members also get the best discounts you can find on Driveline's training gear. Listeners of this podcast can get $25 off their first year of Driveline Plus using the coupon code JONES25. That's JONES25 for $25 off your first year of Driveline Plus. Go to drivelinebaseball.com slash plus to learn more. I also wanted to let everyone know that I'm currently working with several remote hitters across the country, and I still have some spots remaining. So if you have someone, if you specifically, or maybe you have a son or a player who would be interested in my remote hitting program where we cover the mental side of the game, approach, mechanics, it's a holistic approach. So if you're interested in that, please send me an email, jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com, and I'll get back with you, and we'll see if it'll be a good fit for both of us. So jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com if you're interested in my remote hitting program. Ladies and gentlemen, here is my episode with Mike Ribello. All right, we now welcome on Mike Ribello. Mike, thanks for coming on the show today. EJ, thanks for having me, man. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've got so many things that I'm curious about and you know, I want to ask you. And the first thing is, is field coordinator. All right. So this past year, my manager was Dave Anderson. He's been professional baseball for over 30 years. And so 
I've, I've always asked him, he's coaching the big leagues, he's done all these things. He's like, I was like, what's your favorite position? He's like, oh, hands down field coordinator. Cause you're involved in so many different aspects um, throughout the organization and player mm-hmm. development. Um, would you like, what, what, what are you excited about being like field coordinator? I know you've done a lot of stuff defensively in the past, but just in general, what, what excites you about that role? Yeah. So Dave was right. Um, you have your hand in everything. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Sheltie and Donnie Kelly are our bench coach. They designed the plays, you know, with our first and third bunt defense, but you have a hand in, in all of that. And then the, the trickle down effect of player development. Um, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to implement this play. Then you would call the, you know, John Baker, our, our director of player development, um, practice design. That was a big, big, big part of um, how can we train? How can we train differently? How can we train more efficiently? Um, you know, behind the scenes stuff with player acquisition, uh, waiver claims, um, medical. You know, I sat on, in on, on the medical uh, team um, once a series. So I learned a lot. There's a lot of stuff that I had no idea um, went on behind the scenes. And uh, it was cool, man. I, it was really neat to have my, my, uh, my hand in, in everything. What would, what would you say if there's one thing that you feel like you, you learned from that role? Like, what's the one thing that sticks out? So the, 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 at the major league level, the, you know, when you read the transactions, you know, you see a player being called up player, you know, be an option destiny, but what goes on behind the scenes to make that happen? Just the getting your ducks in a row. Um, hey, we need a starter 12 days from now, you know, <laughs> like stuff you don't even take into consideration. So that wasn't so much in the field coordinating part. Um, even though that's, you know, I sat in on those meetings. Um, I was the guy in the corner. didn't really say much, but as far as the field coordinating, it was getting, trying to get all the players on board and how can we practice different? How can we practice better? And given that, you know, you play every day, how can we manage our time the most efficiently? And then we still have to realize that at the end of the day, we're getting, we're facing Walker Beeler at seven o'clock. So you have to be very mindful of that. And that was the biggest challenge, but um, it was fun. It was really, really fun, man. It was a great, great time. How, how do you go about balancing that at the major league level with how good guys already are defensively? Maybe we just talk about from a practice design. Because I'm sure there's some guys, right? I know, for example, I know he's not with the Pirates anymore, but I know Josh Harrison. I've had him on the podcast. When he was with uh, the Pirates, you know, living in Cincinnati, I, he would just take nice, easy ground balls and just get them, you know, feeling. And so it's like, how do you balance, you know, that type of work with like really challenging work during the season when they're facing Walker Buehler that, that night? That's the, the million, million dollar question. And it's tough. It's tough because these guys are the best in the world, right? So we have to be mindful of that. And they have certain routines. And who are we to say, hey, man, don't do that. That block training at the major league level doesn't work. No, no, no. If you do that, you just lost the player. So you have to be mindful of, you know, what they've done to get here and what they like to do to prepare for a game. Because a lot of it, as you know, those nice, easy ground balls, it's more of a psychological effect, you know, where this, this player feels, you know what, let me get my, my, you know, 10 glove side, 10 backhand, you know, a couple double play turns because he feels that's to get him prepared for the game. And it's more of a psychological component at this level. Cause these guys, like you said, they could feel these balls with chopsticks, you know, they're that good. So 
what we would, we would try to do was, Hey, listen, man, that routine is fine. Now, if you ever want to try this, here's a drill. And here is the reason why you just try and educate them the best you can. And they'll come around, you know, they might see another team doing it or one of their friends on another team, or they read stuff. Players want to learn. They want to learn. And um, at the big league level, they like being challenged. That is the biggest difference I've noticed nowadays from when I played. You know, these guys want to be challenged. And uh, picking the spot is, is the uh, – that's the tough part, man. That is the tough part. So I want to ask you about that. How do you – I feel like t- coaching is all about timing. So how do you know when, when, to, when, when cool. is the spot? Uh, okay, so you can start with the schedule. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, if you got a left-handed hitter, uh, infielder, and you have, uh, you know, two left-handed starters coming up, he doesn't have good numbers. You know, he's going to get a night off. That might be a work day, you know, and you might approach him, you know, don't tell him three days in advance. Hey man, listen, you're not playing, you know, <laughs> against Kershaw, <laughs> but that's a, that's an easy one where they can get their work in. Um, we, we would map out a homestand in advance and all the players had it. Hey, listen, man, you know, at three o'clock and everything was optional, optional. You know, we didn't, unless there was a fundamental that Sheltie or Donnie wanted to, to implement, it was optional. And you know what? They all 99% of the time were there. Um, if we had a quick turnaround, maybe a guy wouldn't come out, but you know, it was the big leagues. These guys are getting their work in, whether it's on the field or nowadays, a lot of it's behind the scenes in the cage, you know, with the work workload management. So Timing uh, is crucial in everything, <laughs> whether it's the practice or even approaching a player. And uh, that's where, you know, we, we throw this, this word around a lot, but that's where you just have to have feel, feel as a coach and, and just feel as a person. One of the <clears throat> things that I noticed this past year when I was in low A with Delmarva is when the, the draft happened, a lot of the players we had, right, they started to act a little bit different because they knew that the newly drafted guys, I think 10 of the 11 first picks were position players. So a lot of the hitters they knew were coming. So you could see they were starting to press a little bit, which obviously I understand, but I'm sure there, I mean, at the major league level, it's just a different beast because you don't play well. There's some, it's up and down, up and down, and you know yourself as a player. How, how do you help a player through being like helping them be present in the moment and like being their best when in reality, if they don't do well, these next couple of days, unless they're a stud, they're going to get sent back down and they may never get yeah. back up again. That's tough. You know, it's, it's kind of like the elephant in the room, right? Where, you know, Hey, just, you know, focus on the next pitch, you know, Hey, that's in the past. We, you know, we've all heard that, but in reality, this is a very stressful job it's a hard job like we all know especially you know hitting I mean we all know that's very very tough so these are real life things that every single player deals with the fear of getting sent down the fear of getting released uh oh you have an option you know you can be option and you know you're on the yo-yo between the, the big league uh club and triple a so it's tough those conversations do come up um you know that's where the, the trust the trust you know if a player feels comfortable approaching you and, you know, on my end, it, it's a little easier because I've, I've been in their shoes. You know, I know what that's like, yeah. you know, and, and uh, they would approach you. And, you, you know, you just you have to just be compassionate, man. You know exactly what they're going through. It's a tough game. It's doggy dog world, you know, and we're all wearing milk bone and underwear. Um, just be compassionate as a person, whether it's, it's a major league uh, uh, player or, you know, somebody that's, that's working uh, 
you know, at a college and they're trying to get tenured, whatever it may be, if you're compassionate, that's how you're going to win the player over. And, you know, just you're going to develop that relationship with the, with the player for a long time. Well, and I'm sure someone like yourself has an in in that regard, because as you just alluded to, you've been there and you've played in the major leagues and you, you know, didn't play for 20, you know, you were a backup to one of the greatest catchers of all time, Yvonne Rodriguez. So, I mean, you, you, you've been there. And I just think, Sometimes in the in the game today, and in my own opinion, I think players, having talked to someone at the major league level, they like having coaches on staff who have been in their shoes, like who've been there. And I I get it. There's a balance, and I understand. But I'm just I, I've talked to a few players about that, and they they do like having people around who've who've been there in that situation. Yeah, I mean, there's you know a lot. There's a lot of good coaches, a lot of different backgrounds. Um, some like that because they know what it's like to be in that box. It's, it's can be the loneliest place, you know, on, on earth. Um, what I usually do is just tell them how bad of a player I was. And then I always <laughs> tell them, Hey man, you guys are way better than me. And a lot of times the angle I take is like, Hey dude, this game right now is really hard. You know, you got guys you've never even heard of that are just throwing cheese balls at 101 miles an hour. Yeah. And there's no way I could have played today. And I don't know how you guys do it. Yeah, You know, and then they walk away. They're like, well, this guy played in the big leagues and you just said he's terrible and I'm better than him. So, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a little, a little shot in the arm. Um, but, you know, that, that helps. I guess I have that in my corner, but there's a lot of really good coaches that, that weren't fortunate to play at that level that, that have other experiences and other, uh, you know, coaching tools in the toolbox that I may not have. Yeah. Are you nervous this year about coaching third base? <laughs> You know, it's funny. So when uh, they made the move, I talked to, to Ben Charrington at the end. He's like, well, get ready for every Yinzer to yell at you. And I said, Ben, I've been getting yelled at my entire <laughs> life. So, you know, uh, it, it comes into territory. I, I think it's one of the best best positions because you're, you're constantly engaged. Um, you know, we, we uh, I, I did it when I was managing in the minor leagues and I loved it. I love being out there and uh, I look forward to it. I'm, uh, I'm excited. Where, wait, okay. For example, I've, I mean, I've coached one year of, of um, third base. It was JV high school baseball. So I don't know a whole lot about coaching the bases, but what I will say, or what I, so what I'm going to ask is how do you know exactly where to stand when a hitter's hitting? Like, take us through that. So uh, nobody on, you want to be off the, like the, the back of the mound. So you can give a sign, like so picture where the rosin bag is, right? So they can pick you up and you want to move towards the line so everybody can see you. Runner on second, uh, first and second, base is loaded. You want to be now draw a straight line off, you know, where they put, like, I call it the storm drain, where, like, they the water the infield. Yeah. So now you're about 40 feet down the line. Your back's to the hitter, which is Ooh. scary. And that way you have the middle guys in front of you, you know, the shortstop, because these, the short, like, Lindor, man, that's guy that stands out, like, man, he's, you think he's out of, out of range to run a pick, and next thing you know, that pick got on you so fast. Um, so these guys are always biased. We all know about bias. So those guys will give you an anxiety attack, the middle guys. Um, you know, you want to be able to pick up the outfielder. So you have your back to the hitter. And, you know, if you go to any video and you go to high home, you'll see the third base coach has his back turned. And where it gets tricky is you're following the ball, right? And then you start doing this, and then sometimes you get excited. And your chest turns, and then that's when you get popped. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, these guys hit balls extremely hard. 
and um it's uh it's nerve-wracking but man it's a blast it's a blast have you, have i remember you um, before? yeah i've gotten clipped in the minor leagues i've gotten clipped um you can't get out of the way you know your brain still thinks you're you know 25 but you know you don't move you know at least i don't move like i did when i was 25 but i do remember a couple years ago uh we were in spring training i was coaching third and miggy came up to hit and he hit a ball right by me where i mean there's no way that ball would have killed me you know and then i remember somebody took a, a, a photo i was like dang they were playing left field when he was hit this is with nobody on you know and so it's it gets on you quick and you're not going to get out of the way <laughs> yeah yeah what if I, I mean have you thought about like set like how aggressive would you want to be i mean is there like it, what are the percentages need to be for you to send a guy like how do you go about yeah that's like so yeah go ahead yeah you know every spring training every organization every coach oh we're gonna run first third we're gonna run aggressive you know we're gonna put pressure on the defense well you know the fact is, is we only have 27 outs all right and ideally you want to make 27 at the plate you know, we're not going to run into outs to run into outs. You know, these players, remember, they have the same intel that we have. They know who likes to do certain things. So I don't really, yes, we're going to run hard, but I, I like to look at it as like, let's just run smart. Because a lot of times when you start throwing around the run hard, you start needless first or third with nobody out and getting thrown out by eight feet with, you know, Brian Reynolds coming up to hit, you know. So it's it's one of the things that we're going to try and implement this year in spring training is like, listen, we like the aggressiveness. It does put a little pressure on the outfielder, right? He might pick up his chin, but we're going to run smart. We need to know the situation, you know, where's the ball, what's the sign, where's the defense, and, you know, and we're just – we're going to keep it very simple. Like, we're going to run smarter. Well, I'm sure you said you've coached at third base when you were in the minor leagues. I'm sure a big part of it is just reps and experience right there. And like having, like you said earlier, feel like I'm, that's got to be a big part of, of knowing when to and, and not send guys. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is, you know, and you're always going to get, there's always going to be guys thrown out. That's you can't. And, and I remember Gene Lamont saying this, like you, you can't really judge a third base coach by, Oh, I didn't get anybody thrown out. Well, that's easy to do. Right. You just hold up everybody or, if you're going to, you can't hammer a guy because, you know, he got everybody thrown out. Well, a lot of times, you know, you're, you're, you're just giving it, Hey man, this is what I think. Yes. You can score. No, you need to stay here. Um, you know, batted ball. Uh, where's the ball hit is the outfielder left hand, right hand. What's the score of the game? How many outs? Cause remember his secondary is not going to be as, as large with nobody out compared to two out who's coming up. Where are we at in their lineup? Where are they at in their lineup? Who's pitching for them? There's a lot of things. And, um, you know, that's what makes it fun. And uh, I've clearly gotten dudes blown up at the plate where I was like, oh, man, I thought he had that one standing up. And then it gets on you quick. And then everybody does this. They look <laughs> at that guy at third. And then I'm, I'm looking for that button where I can push the button. I just go in the ground, right? <laughs> that's awesome. So it, it happens. It, it, you know, um, I'm very lucky in a sense with, with Glenn Sherlock. Glenn Sherlock is, is one of our coaches. And he's coached there for a long time. And, you know, I was talking to him. Uh, we were in Nashville a couple of weeks ago at Ketricon. You know, he says, listen, man, dudes are going to get blown up. There's nothing he can do. And the best advice he gave me, I thought this was pretty neat. And he got this from Brian Butterfield. He goes, right before you make a decision, just wait one extra second. I go, Shrills, that's a long time. He's like, I know, just wait one extra second. 
<laughs> and you know what? It was funny. And I'm like, ah, man, there's been a lot of times where you're like, oh, yeah, go, go, go. And you're like, oh, man, I hope this throw is offline. It's offline. Like, yes. And then you watch it on a camera after the game. You're like, man, this guy would have been out by 30 feet. But it throws offline. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. So you said you were at catcher, Connor. You still, do you still work with the catchers? Um. I, 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 not really. I'll help, no. um, you know, with, with Glenn Sherlock and, and Jordan Comandina, you know, obviously with, with, uh, last year, uh, Jacob winning the gold glove. That was, man, that was a pleasure to watch. Um, but, um, I'll help when, you know, I, I kind of stay off. They need help with something. I'll, I'll come out there. A lot of times I'd help them with, with some of the early work on the field, but, uh, they had their, their thing going, man. They did a really, really nice job, you know, in the two years that I'd been there. What's something that you learned from Yvonne Rodriguez that you feel like you've never seen or heard anywhere else? I mean, you, so you got your one percenters, right? These guys are different, different animals, man. They can, they can turn it up whenever they want. You know how we always heard like coming up like, Hey man, if you know, it's not a switch, you can't just turn it on. Well, these guys can, you know, and I'd watch them, you know, he was obviously elite hall of fame, but he was, picking balls in the dirt before picking balls in the dirt was okay. And I remember there'd be games where his shin guards never hit the clay and the ball never got by him. And I just remember thinking like, this is, this is unbelievable for him to be able to do that. Um, you know, if it was a big game, you know, a Friday, Friday night, you know, um, whatever it may be, uh, or, you know, their aces on the mountain, he would, he had another gear and he could do that. It was amazing. And then, you know, he comes up with runners in scoring position, you know, his third, fourth at bat. Uh, he just had a nether, just a nether speed. And it was, and I saw him at, at like the, the tail end, you know, when he was younger, Kenny Rogers was with him in Texas. And he said, man, this guy was, he was amazing. He really was. And the way he took, probably the biggest thing I noticed is the way he just took care of himself. You know, like he, he rode um, bikes a lot, you know, and he was doing a lot of sprint sprint work before that kind of was like the big deal, you know, because back then it was like, oh, let's run some poles, you know. He did a lot of sprint work, and I thought that was interesting. Especially as a catcher, because I'm sure your legs are just always tired and sore. You probably don't want to do anything. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> you know, but I watched him after games. You know, I remember we were in Tampa Bay, and game gets over, and he's out there running sprints in left field. And I was like, man, this dude, you know, if this career ended right now, I'd be in the Hall of Fame. Here he is still doing it. And, you know, those those one percenters, man, they're just different animals. Do you think you can teach that mentality to a player? Uh, I, I, I think you can give examples, stories. You can push them to a certain extent, but, you know, you, you can lead them to the water, but they got to eventually just grab the bull by the horns. I know I keep saying all this, this I feel like I'm in like in a bull Durham movie right now, but uh, these, some of these guys are just different animals, right? Like we've all saw the Jordan documentary and, you know, Tom Brady's one right now. I mean, these, these guys are unbelievable just how they get after it. And it's the pursuit of excellence and there's no shortcuts. And, uh, you know, I got a chance to see some of that and it was um, amazing, you know, and, Verlander what he's doing just amazing so as I mean right now you're field coordinator third base coach I assume you want to be the one percent of the one percent right now and the role you're in how do you go about preparing for that so you know we have our, our advanced reports and 
you, you watch a lot of video, you'll see who throws well, who doesn't throw well. Um, it's just sound funny, but like hidden ball trick, you know, you see it all the time and they do the fake throw and, you know, guy rolls into second base at the double and he's doing all this stuff and, you know, Hey man, stay on the bag. <laughs> you you got to be aware of all that positioning, you know, now with all the shifts, you got to be aware, like, okay, we have three guys on the left side, you know, what's going on here. Just because there's a ball hit to the right side with nobody out doesn't mean he can advance and just constantly reminding the player of the situation and what's going on here. Hey man, there's nobody out. Let's shorten up that secondary just a little bit because making outs on the bases, especially at the major league level with giving the, the these bullpens now, it's, you can't give away outs. You just cannot give away outs. You mentioned the shift right there, which is something I wanted to ask about. How do you, like, how do you, block time off to get players reps where they're going to be at when they, when they're in the shift, because that's not where they're normally at. You talking about on the defensive side. Yeah. So everything, this is, this is pretty cool. This is Shelty's really our first day. Everything we do is in the shift. We're running run defense shift rundowns shift. You name it. Everything is in the shift because we want players to be comfortable doing that. And we're going to be in the shift a lot because the data doesn't lie. You know, this shift works. And if anybody still is against the shift, they should just go yell at clouds because the shift works. We all know it. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, you need to practice everything in PFP, you know, pick off a second base in a shift, a, a simple pop-up in the infield in the shift, um, cuts and relays in the shift. And uh, we want our guys – it's getting a lot easier. Like, you don't see as many mistakes, um, you know, that you would have seen eight, ten years ago. Do you think that from when it comes from, like, a, a shift perspective and, like, you doing practice design, how, like, how much do you – like, I guess when going – so when you're – during a season, for example, like, say you're at Great American Ballpark. I live in Cincinnati. Taking your Great American Ballpark, playing the Reds. When guys go out there for early work, are they in the shift doing some stuff too where they're going to be at? So when we would do uh, – so if you have your individual, um, put it this way. When we did a drop ball, it was always shift, always. Um, we did machine ground ball with emphasis on like the really gnarly top spin. They would be a little bit straight up. But I actually, I wouldn't even call it straight up. i call it like the shade, like a, like a deep shade. You know, Kevin – Kevin might be a little bit more in the hole. Um, when, when Adam was with us, Adam was going to be like just off the cut of the mound. You know, this, this is with regards to right-hand hitter. Um, our first baseman is going to be way off the bag. You know, there really is no such thing as straight up anymore. And we want guys – we want a movement around for the variability, but we want the emphasis of, okay, listen, Joey Votto comes up. There's no way as Key Brian is going to be playing on straight up. He's going to be over to his left. You know, so that's what we, we – uh, emphasize and the players knew it they 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 know you know at that level they know where they need to be how often is it regular fungo versus what you just said the machine where they're trying to emphasize the spin of the, the um, batted ball so we uh we do the fungo we try to do drop ball every day because you know they can get in their 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 jump step their splits squat um or split stance when the ball you know you throw the ball up but you cannot replicate off of fungo, the velocity of a top spin ground ball, um, especially in the middle, because we've done everything. We've had the Hawkeye on, we've had the, the radar gun out there, and 
if you try and do it, not only is the first hop going to be close, but by the time the ball gets to the middle guy, there's, there's not enough velocity on it. So um, I don't have the exact number, but it's something like 80% of ground balls hit have top spin or, you know, it's, it's a high number. It's higher than I thought. And uh, you know, it's like Crabby said on the, your previous podcast where you watch coaches and they hit that nice backspin aesthetically pleasing fungo, which I'm, I'm guilty as well. We all are right. Cause we like to talk trash and you know, Hey, look at this fungo. I'm so good. And the reality is nobody, no, no third baseman is getting a backspin ball hit to him on the pull side. Right. We all yeah. know that. But then as soon as you hit a top spin, there's somebody yelling, Oh man, nice ball. Hey, hey fix your divot. Well, you know, the reality is like they're probably going to see more of the swinging bunts than they are backspin ball to the corner. So um, we did a lot of the machine work and uh, I like it, man. It, it's, it's tough. I like it at first, the players, you know, they give you the stink eye, but then they realize like, Hey man, this is what I'm going to see come, you know, seven o'clock. What about having someone toss from the side? Wouldn't that help increase the velo? Yeah, so it, it does. And then with, with Donnie, Donnie Kelly and I, we would uh, go out there for fungos. And we would actually – we would do the drop ball from the side, and then we would do almost like a soft toss with the, the little uh, valley screen, and we're hitting a fungo. So now they're getting to go get into their uh, stance off an arm and just try and smash balls down their throat, roll over. Because a lot of times, too, a lot of people understand this. You know, that three one or that three unassisted rollover, like that happens a lot. And it that play gets messed up a lot. So we would implement as much as we could gain speed, you know, beat a ball off the plate, you know, beat a ball off the plate, try and get over the, the mound. Because now we do that runner on second. Now, hey, it might be an arm fake with a you know backdoor to third. We would try and implement things where this is what we're gonna see in the game. So why don't we practice like this at four or five? Yeah. Do each of the players have their own development kind of plan strategy for the, for them, or is it kind of you leave that more up to them like optional? So we, um, the way we would set it up is we'd have an optional time frame, And before the game, when we're on the field, that was the time, whatever they wanted to do, where they felt like this prepares them for tonight. You know, some guys had their routines, and they did them, you know, no matter what. If we were on the field, they did those routines. We never tried to, um, I don't want to say get crazy, but when we were on the field hitting, that was more traditional. Before, that's when we would go ahead and, and you know, let it fly, you know, a little bit. Because we at the, remember, like I said earlier, we want to make sure that these dudes are ready. You want to take, you know, fungos, and we all know that the science behind them, but it feels like psychologically it gets you ready for a major game. Go ahead. We're all about it. Wouldn't, wouldn't Ray or BP be the most optimal time to, to work on stuff? Cause I mean, that's when guys literally are hitting balls hundred plus miles an hour. Or I mean, I yeah, guess probably at the major reads. level though, it's more so line drives. It's not really a ton of ground balls. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was <laughs> going to say it. they can work on their, their pre-pitch, but there isn't many ground balls hit, yeah, you know, yeah. come you know, with the 45 minutes in the field. So a lot of guys, they work on the pre-pitch. They might even go like in shallow outfield and just work on the pre-pitch, the first step. Um, because hopefully we're not hitting a lot of ground balls during BP. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's – I just – it's so hard, right? I mean, I'm sure just every day when you're playing 162 games, I don't think people realize just 
every day the toll that it takes on on players body and just mind over time how do you help players especially being the field coordinator like say they're struggling like they made a few errors how do you how do you get them back to to being confident, believing in themselves? I mean, I mean, sure, that's can't be easy. No, it's not. Um, so you know, at, at the big league level, you know, these guys are, are for the most part battle tested, right? They've all come through player development, and and uh, some of them have struggled, right? I hear a lot like, "Well, this guy's never struggled." I don't, I don't agree with that because if you're hitting three thirty, that means you struggled. You know, like until somebody's hit a thousand, I don't want to, you know, so they've all grind, you know, the grind, we throw around that, that, that uh, word a lot. So they've already had obviously a lot of success, but they've also scuffled a little bit and it goes back to timing, right? Like guy makes three errors. I'm not going to go up to him in the dugout. Nobody is, you know, now you might go up to him after the inning he hits, comes back, he's sitting on the bench and then just tap him, you know, tap on the back, just to let him know that you feel his pain. You know, it's, it's not, he didn't make those errors cause he wasn't prepared. You know, that's just a physical error. It happens. And just to, you know, kind of let him know like, Hey buddy, you know, I, I feel your pain, man. I got you. You know, there's not a lot of rally stuff going on. Like, Hey, be ready for the next one. No, nah, you know, these guys know what they need to do. And, and they put the work in to get to this level and they put this work, the work in to succeed this level, just to let them just be compassionate. Like, Hey, I got you, man. You're going to be okay. Would their routine change like the next few days? Would you do different? No. different? no, no, no. That's the whole like the knee jerk, you know, hey, guys scuffling, uh, whatever, going to his right. If you do it the next day, that player is going to be like, oh, man, oh, they don't think I can go to my right. <laughs> no, like you might let it, if it's something that is like glaring, you might let it marinate, you know, and then you would get with, you know, the, the, coaches in that in that area and be like hey what do you guys think and then we would try and pepper it in where it's not 10 balls straight to his backhand right we want to get to the variable like okay you know what he doesn't know we're going to do this but i'm going to hit him 20 balls and 13 are going to be his backhand and he doesn't know you know so now he's getting work in his backhand without even knowing he's really doing work to his backhand and that's how you would try and pepper it in you know without having him hit the panic button I think that's a fantastic tip for for all the coaches who are going to be listening to this, that even at younger levels, right? I mean, guys struggling at the plate with maybe the outside pitch or whatever it may be, instead of making it obvious, like, hey, we're going to work on this because you've been struggling. You just, they work on it, but they don't even, you don't, you're not telling it or emphasize it necessarily. I, I really like that. That's, that's smart. Yeah, that, you know, like with the outside pitch, all right, hey, man, uh, you know, we're going to go hit tomorrow and, uh, you know, right here. Hey, try and hit homers the right center, you know? So like, obviously we know if he's doing that, that means he's, he's squaring up the ball middle way fairly well, but he's just thinking, you know, externally, like, all right, I'm gonna hit it over the, you know, whatever Coca-Cola sign or whatever it may be. Cause you want players to, to think you want to empower them where they think that they're creating the drill or, or the practice or whatever it is. And then not only that, let's just say we go back to the ground balls, the guy's struggling with his backhand and you go out there and you hit him backhands, all his teammates see this. Right. And they're like, oh, man, this dude, he really scuffing his back. And then, you know, the, the relievers and, you know, those guys, they're the smartest guys in the world. All you have to do is just ask them. They'll be sitting in the bullpen. Hey, man, you see, you know, Rebello doing backhand. Yeah, he's really been struggling. And then, man, <laughs> oh, 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 you just created just a snowball. Oh, yeah, that's that's so good. I'm so glad you brought that up. What's the what's the biggest difference now that you've you've played in the minors, majors, coached minors, majors difference between a minor league player and a big league player? 
maybe not necessarily just physical, but just uh, the psychological aspect of it. Yeah. So, you know, if you have a high level minor league player, a double A's, you know, more with regards to triple A, the physical, they look almost the same, right? You know, there is something to be said, the turn, the turn of the bat, you know, they are a little more efficient. It's quicker. They can wait a little later. Okay. Not for everybody. This is not you know, set stone, but there is something to be said there. Psychological aspect, man, these guys are the alphas. They are the guys. It's hard to get there. It's even harder to stay. Those guys that stay, man, these guys are unbelievable. The, the psychological aspect, how they're always in the neutral. They're always in the neutral. And that is very hard to do. I have a hard time doing it with just my emotions. And these guys, I always tell people like, you do not want to play poker with these guys because you have no idea what they're holding and they're just in the neutral. And there's a reason why they, they played that level for that long and, and had the success that they had. And a lot of it has to do with just being in the neutral, being in the now and don't think about the past, which we all do, which is amazing. Right. Don't think about the future. Like, yeah, I know. Hey, I'm going to, I'm a free agent this year. I'm going to make X amount. They know that, but they just try and literally stay in the neutral and which is the now. And it's, it's really amazing. It really is. Is that something that you, did you struggle with that in your own playing career? Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm not going to speak for everybody, but if, if you're not a superstar, I think we all, or we all did, or, you know, it's, it's a real thing. It's a real life scenario. You're always thinking about like, Oh man, I don't want to go back to triple a, you know, Oh man, I saw they just promoted so and so to to AAA. Oh no, man, it's coming, it's coming. It, it it just it wears on you, and it does. Um, for anybody to sit here and say like, "Oh, I never thought about that," I, I really think they're they're lying, you know, because yeah. this is your career. It's it's just a finite. There's just a small window to play this game at that level, and um, it's a lot of pressure. It really is, and and some guys are a lot better than others with it, but it, it's it's a real it's a real thing. And, um, people acknowledge it, players, they acknowledge it. So is it only, would you say then it's only the, the elite of the elite who are able to stay in the neutral then, or have you seen just average players stay in the neutral? No, I wouldn't say it's the elite. Uh, it could be, you know, the utility guy that hangs around forever and, you know, he doesn't, uh, get in that back two weeks and then he grinds out 11 pitch walk. You know, there's a reason why this guy is on this particular roster and he's played for so long. And you ask anybody in the business, like, oh, yeah, man, that guy, dude, he's a grinder, right? You know, and you look up and you're like, man, this guy's got 11 years in the big leagues. You know, he's doing something because his skill set says he might be a fringe player. He might be a role player, whatever, you you know, you want to give him the title. But there's something upstairs where that is affording him to be at this level for this long, you know, and all of them, all uh, the guys that, that, that hang around and play a long time they're wired different, you know, whether I like to think it's neutral because you can't be positive all the time because you're going to have failure. Right. And if you're negative, we know that's not going to work. So these guys just kind of just, you know, right here, like all the coaches, they say, Hey man, don't be here. Don't be there. Don't be like this. Just be like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, I know if you, if I could get every player I ever worked with to just stay right there. Oh, oh man. man. It's, it's so hard. Right. Because, you know, say you take a guy out in the field, right, and you're working early with him, whatever it may be, all right? It's a uh, turn on the inside pitch. And every day you're just busting your tail, and you watch this kid 
he starts having success. Now he hits, you know, two homers on two, two heaters that were in. Like, how are you going to be like this? I'd be like, oh, my God, that was awesome, yeah. Patrick. Thank you. And as a coach, you know, you got it. You're supposed to be like, oh, hey, good job. But you're like, yeah, that's awesome. It, you know, and then he goes over for four, four Ks. You know, Patrick, what the heck, man? I'm terrible. You know, so you got to be like this. But it's so hard. It's, 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 it's really, really hard. <laughs> So if you're, if you're like uh, coaching high school players, for example, right now, there's high school coaches going to be listening to this. A lot of them actually, what advice would you give them to start being able to help players in regards to dealing with failure and staying in that neutral? It's tough, right? Because they're, they're, they're adolescents and they got a lot of stuff going on off the field, right? With, Oh, you know, I want to go to college. You know, my friend, he just committed to division one. You know, oh my God, when is when is my offer going to come? You know, is coach helping me? Oh, what about the travel ball? Oh, there's a lot of, a lot of external stuff going on, and you know, you can preach to them, hey man, just be like right here. You know, like we all heard that, but I I think like if you watch and you just listen to really good players, or just players that have played when they talk, just like man, this dude is just so calm, and I know guys don't watch baseball as much as is you know, like when I was growing up. It, like Krabby talked about it, there's a lot of other things going on. But if you ever watch a game, you, know, you see those guys sitting there, and you're like, "Man, are these guys like at a funeral? Like, what's going on here?" That's just them being, because they know they're going to punch out. They also know they're going to hit a bases clearing double at some point. So I like to always use like 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 metaphors or like other examples of people. But the high school level, it's it's tough because they got, you know, they're not even listening. You know, they might be hearing you, but they're not listening. You know, for the most part, you know, they just got their driver's license. And, hey, what are we going to do after the game? There's a lot of there's a lot of things. Right. And especially if you're playing a high school where we've all seen this, where the team's not that good. And, and you know, you drum roll these guys and they're all going to be beating their chest. And the next day you run into a future first round pick and you're like, oh, my God, we're not good. What happened? Yeah, so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I hear that. And I think. You made a good point about the college recruiting and and how it's it's so hard these days because like you said, there's kids getting 14 years old getting offers. And I know it, I mean, I was looking up you, I know you went to Tampa, they're division two, right? I mean, yeah, that, that I mean, you would say that to some players, like, oh, you want to go D2, like what well, D2, like if that's D1 or bust, you know, like D1 all the way. But it's yeah, it's, you know, that was the same, that was the same when I was growing up. And I was like, listen, my whole goal is is to play in the big leagues. So and it, it's a long story, but I never caught in high school. And Tampa said, "Hey, man, we want you to be our catcher." I'm like, "What?" And so there was a lot of other Division One one schools uh, involved, but it was, you know, hey, you know, we want you to play left field, maybe catch the weekday game. And Tampa's like, "Dude, come here for three years, catch, and then you know, start your pro career." And I looked at it in a sense, what is what is going to help me get to the big leagues? Right? That's that was the end game you know, when I was 17 years old and there are guys that, you know, the division one, Oh yeah. I want to go get the cool, you know, shoes and whatever track suits. And then, you know, they don't play for three years. Okay. So it is super, super important. It's especially for the high school coaches to what is in the best interest of the player, you know, not the mom, not the dad, not the travel ball coach, but, you need to ask the player because I used to give a lot of lessons. I always ask them to go, what do you want to do? Do you want to play baseball in college or do you want to go to college? You know, do you want to go to the smaller school and play? 
or do you want to go to the bigger school and live college life? And I think you just got to hit in the mouth of that. You're not saying that they're not good enough to go to Miami or Florida State, but hey, man, if you want to play, you might have to go to a smaller school. You could play as a freshman instead of, you know, carrying some of these bags for three years, you know, at Miami. And, and it goes back to by you doing that, the players, they're going to respect you. They might not want to hear it, but they're going to respect you. I'm going to that clip you just said right there. I'm going to take that segment and send it to so many different players. You said that perfectly. Uh, and it's, I mean, you have you uh, you displayed the blueprint yourself. I mean, you went to Division two and then played in the major league. So, I mean, yeah, I, it was the end game. And I made a lot of dumb decisions when I was younger. I mean, we all have. But that's one that I, I don't regret. It's like I, my my end game is is playing the big leagues and in, in Tampa. It's it's right here in downtown Tampa. There's a, you go there right now. There's gonna be scouts sitting in the stands. It's a hub for Tampa, St. Pete, you know, Clearwater. And um, went there three years, and then I, I started my my pro career. Do I wish I would have played uh, the, the Florida State schedule? Yeah, but I don't have any regrets because that may not may not have worked out. So hey, you may not you have, have to look to the out. Exactly, exactly. You and you got to look out. Like, what is my plan? What is my path? I don't care what you know, Billy and his Florida state license plate, you know, as he's in high school showing off, no, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, that was such good advice. Mike, I got, I got one more question for you. I know you're uh, got, I know you're busy doing stuff. You're coaching third base this year. If I go down to a game, great American ballpark and I'm sitting there and there's a ground ball hit to you down the third base line. Are you going to, are you going to big league it or are you going to try and field it and then just do a nice flip in the stands? Oh. TJ, great question. And listen, man, I thought about this, right? <laughs> because I wear out every coach that doesn't make a play or if they boot it. Okay. Yes. And I remember one year in the minor leagues, I was coaching third. Uh, Scott Dwyer was coaching first. And we had our strength coach keep score of who was booting balls. Right. And we made a rule like, dude, doesn't matter how hard it's hit. You got to try and, you know. And I remember Scotty's like literally diving for balls. You know, it was just a fun game. But in the big leagues, if you boot a ball, those fans, oh man, yeah. you're done. Yeah. <laughs> you're done. So, um, you know what? If the ball is hit to me and I can read Manfred's signature, I'll catch oh, it so and then I'll flip slow. it to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Bob Euchre says, the best way to catch the knuckleball is wait for it to stop rolling. If, here you go, here's the scenario there's a ball hit, there's nobody on, so I'm a little deeper. And if you see me do this to the, the ball boy, like wave him off. Like, no, I got it, dude. I'll go get the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. I, I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> oh, but hey, but then I got to be careful throwing it over the net, right? I don't want to oh, tear yeah, a rotator, yeah, yeah. rotator cuff. <laughs> so I know last year, Joey Cora threw a couple and they hit the net. And don't think I wasn't wearing him out. And then, you know, we oh, get the replay. Back. It came then, back. Oh, yeah, yeah. So then you get the replay, and then what do you do? You, you send it out to everybody's phone, right? And you just blasted them. So um, I'm sure they're going to be coming after me because I'm sure something funny is going to happen multiple times. Oh, yeah, I got this ball, and I slip, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, that's fun, man. Well, hey, I'll, I'm going to be down there, and I maybe I'll be keeping score, maybe not, of like when I uh, have, you know, ground balls hit to you. But uh, that'll be that'll be fun. And this has been a lot of fun, man. I'm glad we got to connect my hey. – uh, this is, uh, I wish you nothing but the best. And I, I hope you guys kill it this year. You got a great group and uh, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. So uh, again, appreciate you coming on.
PJ, thanks, buddy. Hey, hit me up in Cincinnati. I want to get some of that chili. Hey, let's do it, dude. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. Thanks, All dude. Right. Yep.